You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. As always, I'm joined on the show by my co-host Doug Moore. And uh, it's always great to have him on the show. But I'm, I'm really delighted today to be joined on the show by TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. A lot of you'll know him from uh, the great work that he puts out there. And of course, as well, as Twitter handle uh, is uh, a little avatar of Stewie Griffin. So for all the Family Guy fans out there, we have uh, a little bit of Stewie on the show today. Uh, TJ, thanks for jumping aboard the show. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think uh, I think the only only reason people actually know who I am at all is just because of my avatar. So I just have to keep it at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good. Uh, you know, a lot of there's a couple of people out there at the moment that have different uh, random avatars. But when you see that Stewie Griffin one pop up uh, in the fantasy football Twitter handles, uh, you know straight away it's TJ Hernandez. <laughs> uh, Doug, obviously, we had uh, Phil Yates in the show last week, and uh, I know you've had a quite a busy week since. And it was your birthday on Monday, so I guess we'll kick off the show with uh, a happy birthday to Doug. Oh, geez. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, guys. And, uh, yeah, well, happy birthday, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, uh, it's just another year, I guess. That's uh, Doug now. He's 19 years old, so uh, he's, uh, he's, getting, <laughs> he's getting closer to 20. But uh, in all seriousness, Doug, um, you, I always joke on the show that you're writing pretty much everywhere at the moment, but uh, you're linking up with uh, ESPN New Hampshire for uh, covering the Patriots, so that should be exciting to see coming out in the, the next few weeks. Yeah, that's been something that's been working on for the the past couple of days, um, and I, I'm I'm very excited. This is a great opportunity for me, along with uh, the 732 other websites I write for. So, um, it'll it'll be a great opportunity, and I'm very excited. But thank you for for showing that out, so I didn't look so conceited doing it myself. Yeah, well, I I was just I thought I better do it quick because I knew it had to come out uh, at some time. Obviously, listening to the podcast, you know we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, on the OvertimeIreland.com website. Make sure you are subscribed if it is your first time along listening it's great to see those numbers going up each and every week and uh, we're going to talk today on the show about the nfc north it is actually the last of our uh, previews heading into the 2016 season we've covered all other seven so far so if you want to go back and listen to them we've had some great guests on to cover them but today it will be nfc north but before we uh, get into that we're going to jump through some of the nfl news over the past week and uh, you know, some of this news uh, was typed up two days ago, so it could already be out of date. But I've, I've tried to update it over the last half an hour as best I could. And if there's any other important news, guys, that I do miss out on, don't be afraid to, to jump in and uh, let me know. I suppose I'm going to start off here with uh, Dion Lewis, and he's going to need a second surgery to clean up uh, that knee injury that he had the operation uh, last season. He's out for the next eight to ten weeks, so you're not going to see him to probably week eight or nine off the season. He was somebody who was still going kind of you know mid rounds drafts, and people were starting to look at him as a value, and we all did kind of think that he was going to be back you know for week one. Doug, uh, obviously covering the Patriots for a number of websites, uh, were you surprised at this news when it came in? Um, it's a little surprising because he was. Um you know, he was still on the PUP list, but um, at um, OTAs in, in minicamp, he was, he was um, you know, there were reports that he was doing pretty well. You know, it was just a matter of time that they were being, you know, precautious with him. Uh, there were even reports that morning that he was walking around in the locker room. He was, it was fine. He wasn't wearing a brace. Um, and then the news broke that um, he was going to need surgery. So, from what I understand, at least the uh, health-wise, uh, and I'm not a doctor, I don't pretend to be, um, but it sounds like this isn't uncommon um, considering the injury he had because I think he tore his ACL and I think he had a little more damage in there. So I guess it's un- it's not uncommon, but 
uh, definitely disheartening to see. So there's hope he'll be back at some point this season, but um, obviously a big blow because he was a big part of that offense last year and really opened it up before he went down with that knee injury. So. Yeah, it's obviously a disappointment, uh, particularly as well for anyone who made uh, invested in uh, Dynasty Leagues over the summer and Dion Lewis after he had a, a very nice season while he was on the field last year. Uh, obviously, Gronk back in training today after missing the last nine days, and uh, I didn't think he would sit out as long as he did, but good to see him back uh, out practicing. Uh, another news for the Patriots, uh, their center, Brian Stark, traded to the Redskins for a conditional seventh-round pick, and uh, looks now there's reports actually coming out that he's actually pondering retirement, so I can see why the Patriots wanted to move him along, and then, of course, the Redskins are taking on his salary too, so uh, you know quite a, a smart move overall, I think, there by uh, the Patriots in that one. The next bit of news up, and I'm, uh, I'm going to let TJ answer this one, is uh, Le'Veon Bell's suspension. I know this seems like months ago since uh, this changed, but his suspension down to three games from the four games. And uh, for Dynasty in particular, the, the most important thing I would think of this whole process is that uh, he stays in stage two of the drugs policy rather than going into that stage three. So his next suspension will be four games rather than ten games like we've seen for a couple of players over the last couple of seasons. So um, does it move him much upwards uh, for this season and redraft for you? And then, of course, staying in that stage two has to be a positive for uh, the long-term lookout for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that has as much week-to-week upside as any running back in the league, especially now that we've seen uh, Ladarius Green is is yeah. possibly going to be on the IR. We don't know what's going on with that. Their, their number three situation's a mess. We just saw Sammy Coates got demoted. I guess it's going to be Wheaton. Um, but, but Le'Veon's a guy that, even with the four-game suspension, if you are someone that's looking for running backs in like that second round, mid-second round range, uh, I don't think it moved him up too much. You're still not going to invest a first-round pick in a guy that's going to miss three games. Uh, but we know once he's healthy uh, or once he's once he's active, that uh, that he's going to produce as well, if not better, than any running back in the league. As as far as staying in the stage two thing, uh, it, it's just such a weird story. Like. Le'Veon said that he changed his phone number and submitted yeah. the paperwork, and and it actually sounded like a really legit story. The guy actually has never failed a drug test, so uh, it's um, I, I mean, it, it almost kind of looks like the league is just kind of trying to save face, keeping him in stage two. But uh, the, the the I guess it just depends what side side you're on. Obviously, it's it's a little bit of he said, she said. Um, but I'm if I'm taking a running back at that second round value, I'm still I'm still drafting him there. Yeah, and it's not often that we see the league change uh, what the rules are from week to week when they're dishing out this punishment, and we'll not get Doug started on that. But uh, we're looking then into news like uh, it does seem so long ago, like this news all happened. But Carlos Williams was cut by the Buffalo Bills. He's going to serve a four game ban. Obviously, we knew about that to start the season, and of course, the lingering weight issues continues to go on. So somebody who came in last year, you know, and uh, there was a lot of buzz about him around this stage in the preseason and uh, started and played some very, very nice games last season for the Bills. So uh, it's just uh, you know another bit of uh, his bad off-season. We'll see if he actually has cleared waivers and uh, we'll see where he ends up. Next up, Thomas Rawls for the Seahawks. Eric Ebron uh, off the Detroit Lions, who we'll be talking about in a little bit. Both look scheduled to be ready for week one. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is starting to move back up that box tight end uh, depth chart. You know, we were a lot concerned about him uh, at the start off the OTAs, but it uh, seems to be moving up. The next topic is, though, after the second preseason game, Terrell Pryor. Uh, I'll let TJ go on this first. Um, obviously, we've seen him connecting a few times with RG3. Uh, he's starting to buy into Terrell Pryor as a wide receiver. He's showing some great athleticism. We knew he had that, but uh, tracking the ball and so on has looked uh, pretty impressive through those two games. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a fun player to watch. He's obviously an athletic freak, probably one of the best 
athletes in the NFL, but uh, from a fantasy perspective, I just don't think that he's going to be a, a consistent enough guy to invest in. Uh, we know we got Josh Gordon. They invested a high pick in Corey Coleman. Uh, Hugh Jackson now now with Cincinnati. He's not afraid to spread the ball around if there's not a, a, a clear number one guy. And he also really likes to get the tight end involved. He really likes to have a pass catching back too. So uh, even if they are pass heavy, which is very rare for a Hugh Jackson offense, I just don't think there's enough to spread around for Terrell Pryor to be a consistent week in, week out fantasy play. He's probably going to be a guy that he, he's really fun to watch. So that means that the, the casual fantasy fan will plug him into the lineup and he's going to be the guy that puts up 20 when he's on your bench and zero when you put him in, in your flex spot. Yeah, I agree. And that was the next point I was going to make. I think he's somebody, if you're looking at MFL, tens maybe taking him in that 18 19 mm-hmm. 20 range and maybe you'll you'll have him on the field uh, those weeks that he has the big games but he's somebody who's definitely gonna be much too inconsistent uh, we'll keep an eye on him and see about waivers later on in the year next piece of news and it's something that uh you know i had down here john brown had returned to the field after his uh, concussion issues but he's missed training today which is uh, wednesday with a uh, headache so I would say he might slip back into that concussion protocol and something that's very worrying that uh, after kind of a week and a half or nearly two weeks now that after getting back on the field he's going to miss out in some more time which is uh, very concerning and I, I own a lot of stock of John Brown and uh, the other one there for the Cardinals is Larry Fitzgerald he is back in the practice field after hurting his knee uh, last week that John Brown concussion kind of we don't know if he's going back into protocol but uh, worrying signs there Doug for for John Brown owners. I would say that if it was if it was a soft tissue injury, yeah. uh, where you know it's something that he has to be like if he has like a hamstring issue or or a knee issue where he can't actually work out at all, um, or at least he, he, it's not something that he has to gradually get better for. It's sort of you just get over a concussion. Not, and I'm probably putting it too lightly, but you know it's it's not something that you have to rehab. It's more so something that you just have to wait out and make sure you're doing all the proper steps. So. It's the preseason, luckily. Uh, this offense hasn't changed at all. Um, so he doesn't have to learn a new quarterback. He doesn't have to learn a new offensive coordinator or head coach. Um, so hopefully they can just be patient with it, and I, I know they have to be. But, uh, you know, they still have some time. There's over two weeks before the yeah. season. I think it's actually three weeks from tomorrow. Um, so, again, as soon as he is fully ready to come back, I'm not concerned at all unless this lasts until, uh, you know, keeps lasting then it might seem like it, it might be something more major than than we thought but luckily it, it's a situation where it's not something that can hinder him or bother him later in the season like a hamstring if you strain it now and it pops back up week five so you know that that's my take again I'm, I, I guess it's going back to I'm not a doctor but um you know I would say that that you know at least it's the preseason uh so that's the one silver lining I guess you could say with it yeah, if there's anything to take away from this show, it's to know that Doug Moore is not a doctor, so if you're looking for any advice, uh, do not be going his way. Uh, but the, the concussion situation is something that's very real, and with the way the NFL is starting to get more and more on it, it's just something that would worry me a little bit there, but hopefully, uh, and Doug, you mentioned it's three weeks tomorrow, it's actually two weeks tomorrow, because as I mentioned a number of times in the show, my wedding is the day before NFL week one Sunday, so I know exactly how close it's getting. Oh, so, oh uh, right, right. Yeah, okay, it's, so, uh, it's, so two, I, it's two weeks tomorrow. I'm not a doctor, nor can I count let's no. just keep adding things along well we, with, uh, we already knew that do. we already knew that doug couldn't count but we didn't know that he was in fact not a doctor but the the last couple of bits of news before we get into the nfc north uh, still no deal uh, with the chargers and joey bosa which is something that you know i find it hard to figure out how this is going to end because the chargers put out a statement today with uh, the facts and figures of what they were kind of offering and 
they pretty much were ponying up, uh, you know, they're well up to over 75% of what Bosa wanted originally, and uh, they've come a long way from their original stance, so that's still one to watch over the next few weeks, and it's uh, going to be interesting to see how that all filters out in the very end. Uh, Brashid Perryman of the Ravens, obviously we know he missed all of last season, he's back on the, the practice field, let's hope he can stay on it now for the next uh, two or three weeks and feature this season to see what he's got in the NFL and the last piece of news I want to get into is the elimination uh, of the probable tag uh, you know in terms of the injury report and I want to get your thoughts TJ on this if you have any just you know usually when we go in through the week you know you see who's limited in practice did not practice whatever so on and so forth and usually when you get to that Friday you get a probable tag a doubtful tag questionable so on and so forth well this season you know probable tag is going to be taken out and it's going to make it a real mess for fantasy football players in particular is it something that uh, you know that you think is going to be a quite a quite a large problem for us this year yeah i mean there this is a really difficult one for me to figure out just because they they completely changed the language on it it used to be if 25 percent 50 percent 75 percent chance to play um which i don't even know how they quantified that in the first place but now it's just if there's if there's any chance at all that a player might play they're questionable so i think we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a lot more uh, uh doug doug could probably attest to this a lot more like bill belichick like uh injury reports uh all the way across the league so i i guess for for redraft purposes it's going to be uh pretty difficult because we have limited options like we just have our whatever 16 or 18 guys on our roster uh hopefully you're in a league that you uh where, where the lineup doesn't lock until that game starts. So if, if yeah. you can do that and customize your, customize your league that way, I'd really encourage it. But uh, it's definitely going to affect how people approach waivers, how people approach their their roster makeup. Uh, for, for daily fantasy, which I, I don't think you guys do too much daily fantasy yeah. talk, but I think it's actually going to offer some uh, really good game theory opportunities. I actually think it's a it's it could end up being a, a profitable thing for DFS just because you'll see so many people avoiding any player with a questionable tag and you'll be able to get a, a leg up on the field. But for for traditional redraft purposes, I think it's going to prove to be very frustrating since we only have our limited roster to to deal with. Yeah, and it's going to be you mentioned there in DFS. It's not somewhere I had really locked into it yet, but it's going to be interesting there as you mentioned somebody you know we might see somebody with a, a questionable tag and people not owning uh, him and the, you know the likelihood if he was definitely going to play and it's going to be interesting to see from that perspective but it is just going to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works and we'll see week one how it starts to filter out uh, and if we can get a handle on it as the season goes on i know uh, i thought you were going to say when you were saying about doug i thought you were going to actually say that uh doug uh, isn't a doctor so <laughs> i thought he was going to give us some advice <laughs> yeah, on the, the probable thing again, but, yeah, but uh, no the bill belichick reference fits in quite well there too but we'll get in uh, now to the nfc north just before we get into that, I want to tell you about two offers we have for all the OTI listeners this week. I uh, mentioned in the past show about the OTI 10 discount, and that it was for 10% off all products at NFL Shop Europe. They're giving 10% off to all of our listeners, but of course it's even going to get better than that this week, because until week one of the NFL season, they are giving 20% off every product all across their store online. And uh, now with the OTI 10 discount as well, that adds on to it, so you can get 30% off all recommended retail prices for NFL 
authentic gear on NFL Shop Europe. Well worth checking out. You're starting to get up there and you're saving a third off all products. If you're looking for some gear ahead of the 2016 season, I would highly recommend going to NFL Shop Europe and uh, getting that 30% off. All you have to do is go to their site. It is europe.nflshop.com. Click on whatever products you want. They have all teams covered up there for you. They're saving you the 20% there. And when you're checking out, type OTI10 in the gift voucher box. And that there uh, gives you another 10% off. And you can enjoy all the new gear ahead of the 2016 season. That is euro.nflshop.com. And the code is OTI10. Another code that is OTI10 is with BetDSI. I mentioned this last week as well. I will be using BetDSI heading into the 2016 season. Use it towards the end of last season. Found them to have great customer service, fantastic website. They have you covered for all the markets, and uh, we have you covered as well. They're giving all OTI listeners an exclusive $10 free wager ahead of the 2016 season. And you can use it in week one. You can use it in NFL preseason week two. You can use it whenever you want. All you have to do is sign up to an account at BetDSI.com, and then uh, when you're signing up, put in the code OTI10. That is OTI10 at BetBSI.com. Get your free $10 wager and enjoy that one on us at OTI. I'm going to start off with the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, I'm a Packers fan and, you know, there's questions you can ask about certain teams, certain quarterbacks. I think Aaron Rodgers, we kind of know what you're getting there. I know last season was a down year for him, but when you look at his uh, overall points total, wasn't all that bad. But I think this year, if the Packers are to uh, rebound, and that's what we're going to look at here as well, if they are in fact to rebound with Jordy Nelson coming back, um, do you think that you know there's, there's no question come the end of this uh, season, and particularly on drafts, that he's uh, you know a, a top three quarterback? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not avoiding this Packers offense at all. I mean, we saw basically what happened when when they took away that that weapon in Jordy Nelson that could kind of tear the top off the defense and spread things out. We know Randall Cobb just couldn't perform well in that wide receiver one role. Uh, just trying to face man coverage, uh, not being able to line up in the slot off the ball. But they also added added Jared Cook, which I know a lot of people kind of think of Jared Cook as this guy that hasn't done much over the course of his career, but he's actually profiles as a, a very, very athletic tight end. And I think uh, that they, they probably did this as a little bit of, of insurance to Jordy just because they didn't have anybody that was able to run deep last year. And even though Jared Cook's not really going to uh, – he's, he's not – like a, a Jordy Nelson type in terms of speed and getting down the field. He is a guy that's going to be able to keep those safeties honest and, and run those deeper seams down the middle, which they weren't able to do with Richard Rogers. So uh, I think they recognize that addressed it. And I always think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be top two or three uh, uh, quarterbacks in the league. What I'm, what I'm curious about is more so that, that three, that number three wide receiver. And mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit. Um, if anybody's listened to this show, they know that I'm a huge fan of uh, Ty Montgomery and what he can do. I, and everybody you talk to, it's going to be a little bit different on who you know who they think is going to be uh, that that number three guy. Could it be uh, Devonte Adams? Could it be uh, Jeff Janis? Is it almost all the fantasy community somehow wants, or could it be a guy like you know for me Ty Montgomery, who I'm a big fan of, who I think can really step up. He did well last season. And, you know, obviously he's fought with some an-, an ankle injury. He had surgery. He just came off the PUP, I think, last week. Uh, he's my, he's obviously not the, the guy right now, at least. But I, w- I want to get your take. I, I don't want to influence this any way or one way or another in regards to who you think. But uh, that's my personal take. But I'm just curious. Do you think that the, the number three – who? You, well, let me ask you this. Who do you think is going to be the number three guy? And then whoever it is, do you think they could be valuable actually in fantasy this year? 
I'll, I'll tell you who it's not going to be. It's not going to be Jeff Janis. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, I think this team's pr- made it pretty clear that uh, that he just hasn't hasn't really done what what they want him to. And then uh, combine that with a broken hand, I just don't see him uh, cracking the starting lineup at all. This probably isn't the most popular opinion because we do have our um, these players we like, especially in the metrics community. But the thing about the Packers, especially with this Aaron Rodgers-led team, is Aaron Rodgers is going to be very vocal behind closed doors and make it clear the guys he wants on the field and who he trusts. And yeah. regardless of what we think about Devontae Adams, uh, he he led all number two wide receivers in, in snap percentage last year. So he's going to be on the field. I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers trusts him as inefficient as he is. I mean, this is a guy we saw have a 21-target game last year. Like, as bad as he is, uh, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers – likes Adams I think and it it looks like he he has a really good chance to go right back into that uh starting role if that has uh implications for fantasy I'm not sure there's a lot of weapons on that team uh but I, I think that's who who ends up uh on the field yeah I think I pretty much agree with you being a Packers fan and there's uh, actually a report came out today from Rob Demosky uh, of ESPN who covers the Green Bay Packers uh, up in Wisconsin he's actually uh, saying that Jared Arbideris could be the, the man mm-hmm. and neither you mentioned him that he could possibly be a breakout candidate this year but I think what we're looking at is uh, Jordy uh, and Cobb you know we've seen last year that uh, Randall Cobb couldn't do it as the number one receiver so we need Jordy Nelson back on the field I know we don't need to see him in preseason but I would like to see a little bit more of him uh, you know on the practice field and maybe a few snaps in preseason just to to know that he's uh, definitely all the way back after the the by the tendonitis that he had as well I think Randall Cobb will help uh, in that second role I think you know as electric playmakers he's one of the best in the league Devontae Adams you know we all wrote it we all were very well not we all were but there was a lot of people very high in him this time last year and then uh, obviously he did not have a good season so we might see him have a you know a third year step forward uh, and and progress a little bit but I don't have high hopes really for that third spot I'm looking more at Jordy Nelson Randall Cobb and then I think the two tight ends you mentioned earlier Jared Cook I think the two of them are probably going to balance each other out and it's going to be hard to uh, have either of them as a you know a starter week in week out and then if you bounce it on to the running backs you have Eddie Lacy and James Starks and Lacy uh, had a, a nice preseason game last week uh, James Starks is a nice uh, pass catcher in this offense I think he actually fits the uh, the role in this offense probably maybe a little bit better than Eddie Lacy but I think we'll see the combination of them back in but with Lacy bouncing back people expecting him you know talking about him losing weight this season that you know second round tag this kind of on him at the minute and redraft I'm not comfortable taking him there and I'm a Packers fan is that somewhere you're comfortable uh, TJ jumping aboard the Eddie Lacy wagon uh in general I'm not a guy that's taking running backs in that range yeah, anyway like but uh but if I if I am uh I mean he he's just a guy that I don't think that James Starks is just going to disappear overnight like he he outscored Eddie Lacy in PPR leagues last year and their offense was a little bit I mean it was a lot different than what we expected it to be without Jordy and I think that definitely had an impact on uh, on Eddie Lacy's game just because they no team really had to respect the deep ball against the Packers so obviously that brings up those safeties and linebackers a little close to to the line of scrimmage but then uh, even in the red zone the Packers just kind of changed their game I mean they only ran 31 percent of the time in the red zone and that's 10 percent lower than uh, Mike McCarthy's average since he's taken over the Packers so I just think that their whole offense was kind of out of whack last year so I, I do think Lacey will have some of that touchdown upside that we saw before from him uh, but again I think Starks is going to have 
I think Starks is going to have enough of a role uh, that he's going to make Lacey a guy that I don't want to spend one of those high leverage picks on. Although I do think he has a chance to to finish in the top 15, he's even as an RB1 with a, with that touchdown upside. Um, I, I'm not just going to write off Starks that quick because, like you said, he does fit really nicely into this Packers offense. So, so moving in now, I know as much as Calm wants to talk about his Packers for 45 <laughs> minutes, there, there are still three other teams in the NFC North, um, and we're going to go towards the uh, the Vikings, the actual, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, sorry, Calm, but the actual NFC North uh, reigning champions. That is true. So, <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> um, what I'm curious about is, and I think this is probably, depending on, obviously, who you ask, because, you know, he, he's always been this consistent guy, but, you know, every year it's like, is he going to break down? Is he going to break down? Is someone else going to get some touches? I want to get your take on Adrian Peterson. Obviously, he was, uh, I believe, the number two fantasy running back last year behind Devontae Freeman after he had missed the, the previous season, I believe, uh, with that, that issue uh, off the field. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of high upside running backs in, in fantasy football this year, you know, you could look at Le'Veon Bell, you could look at Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, and, and Adrian Pearson is sort of being looked behind them. Um, do you think this is a situation where he could lose touches because they have the, the, the dome coming in or the retractable roof where the heat, you know, Teddy Bridgewater could throw more? Do you think this is a situation where Jared McKinnon gets more touches? Or do you think it's a situation where they try to ease off because he's getting, he's like 32 now or even older than that? What do you think about Adrian Peterson this year? Does anything change, or can we expect sort of the same season we saw last year from him? Uh, well, I think it's funny that you mentioned they won the division last year because if you're someone that plays a lot of fantasy football, you kind of lose track of standings. And yeah. and I remember saying last year after they won nine or ten games, like they feel like a team that's only won three or four games, but somehow they're they're winning. They're not a fun team to watch. But uh, you mentioned that they're moving back into a dome this year, and I haven't had heard too many people talk about that. And I think it's a, a really interesting point because their run percentage shot through the roof last year, and I think it has uh, a little bit to do with the fact that they were playing outdoors but my concerns with with adrian peterson are that uh he is on the wrong side of 30 and i think uh, you, you've kind of heard the the idea that it's better to be a, a year early than a year late on a player and i subscribe to that thinking too because if you do invest uh if you do invest a high pick on on a guy like adrian peterson and he finally does hit that wall you're gonna have a a really hard time parting ways with him or even sitting him down the stretch uh one of my main concerns other than peterson not being much of a pass catcher is the fact that this team is extremely uh game script dependent in their game in their game calling and and because peterson doesn't catch a lot of balls that really affects his splits depending on if the vikings are winning or losing last season uh the vikings ran 23 percent more in games that they won than in games they lost and they're projected to to win well about two or three fewer games this year so that could really come into play and over north turner's career he's been one of the most game script dependent play callers in the league so uh, i i do have my concerns about peterson uh i i do think that they drafted laquan treadwell which at least hints that they want to try to throw more uh can they with teddy bridgewater i don't know but they had the the fewest uh pass attempts in the league last year and it was so low that it's just not a number that they're probably going to maintain. They're probably not going to win 11 games again. Uh, so I, I'm probably not investing in Peterson uh, because of his age and because of uh, just because of, of the way they use him. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I I own them in a couple of dynasty leagues, and I kind of am just going to hold them probably a bit like the Vikings and go to the wheels fall mm-hmm. off uh, just in the the current value of it. But I'm going to kind of put everyone together in this Minnesota team because we have mentioned they they won the the division last year. But I think if you're looking at the strength of this team at the moment, the uh, defense is really something that's on the rise, and I'm very very impressed mm-hmm. with how they've built that. Uh, if you're looking at you know Teddy Bridgewater, we were all kind of looking last year and thinking that he could be you know a very very good quarterback. But just the way this team plays for fantasy, everyone's kind of beating with a stick at the moment and then you look at uh, the running back situation Jarek McKinnon I don't think he's going to get enough carries based on Adrian Peterson getting that workload and then you're looking at the wide receivers you know you have Diggs Treadwell Jarius Wright I think again outside of Diggs and I'm not even that high on Diggs um, I don't know what the value is there and then when you're looking as well at Kyle Rudolph at the tight end position he's a very solid all-around tight end but when you're looking at somebody who's going to be in the red zone and catch you know try and get that eight to ten touchdown range for tight ends i don't think he's somebody who's going to deliver on that this year so just in general out of the entire offense of the vikings is there somebody at their current adp that you are uh, buying in on yeah i mean i don't have too many shares of any vikings players but i guess if you're if you're really waiting on the position or you're playing mfl tens uh, i don't mind rudolph just because he has been uber efficient in the red zone he's like right up there with um with like the like Dwayne allen julius thomas gronk range in terms of converting his red zone looks into touchdowns uh he just doesn't have the volume that those guys have nowhere even close so that's obviously the concern uh i don't really have a lot of shares of any of these guys i'm not someone that invests in rookie wide receivers i've said it hundred times probably this offseason I think that a lot of people are still drunk off the 2014 rookie wide receiver class but but historically uh wide rookie wide receivers just don't do well and if they do it's not till the second half of the season yeah no it's a situation where you know everybody gets the hype because you don't know what to expect them the 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 limit's sky high but in reality um you know you're probably not going to get nearly as much as you hope to you get all giddy about you know what they can do in this offense but they're still a rookie learning his offense and not going to be given the keys right away usually. So, But moving on to uh, another team, I think it, it has had a really good offseason um, and may may you know be on the rise and, and could win a lot more games than, than they did last year as the Bears. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about with you is, um, is, is this wide receiver situation uh, because, you know, obviously we have Alshon Jeffrey. He's dealt with soft tissue injuries throughout his career. He's played through them, but then he's also been hindered by it as well, where he's had to miss games. And we saw that last year a little bit. And, you know, there was nobody really else behind him because they had traded Brandon Marshall, and Eddie Royal was their de facto number one, and he was also hurt sometimes too. So now that we have Kevin White back, uh, you know, it's almost the same thing because he's technically a sophomore, but this is his rookie season because he didn't get to do much in his it, last year because he had the foot injury. So what I'm curious about is, is do you think he has the upside that people are talking about where he could be a wide receiver, let's say a mid-tier wide receiver three, who could put up you know maybe low-end wide receiver two numbers, maybe top 25, top 30 numbers. So I, I want to get your take on that, and obviously of Alshon as well. And I, I'm a big fan of Daniel Braverman, but I, I don't think he'll be that fancy relevant <laughs> here, but... I always like to mention him just because I'm a big fan of his. But I just want to get your overall take on the wide receiver situation in, in Chicago. Well, Doug, if I don't know you too well, but there's one thing I know we have in common, and it's that neither of us are doctors. So I'm not a guy that, I'm not a guy that tries to predict injuries or, or tries to pretend I know what's going to happen with the injuries long term. So in general, I'm pretty uh, injury agnostic when it comes to drafting, drafting my wide receivers. And 
when we're looking at guys that we're uh, investing in in the first or second round, we want a little bit of safety, but we also want some upside. We want guys that could finish top two or three at their position. And when you're when you're drafting that high, you usually don't have that much room to improve on your draft position. And if there's one guy that I think can improve pretty significantly on where he's being drafted, it's Alshon. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy that when he was healthy last year, he accounted for 30% of the Bears targets. He accounted for 35% of their red zone targets. Those are top three in the league in in both uh, market shares. You're just not going to get a receiver that sees that type of market share outside of Antonio Brown, Julio Jones. Uh, Odell Beckham's nowhere close to that. He's like a 25% guy. Uh, so... I think that he has a guy. He's a guy that if he is healthy, he can break into those top three receivers. Uh, I'm I'm not worried about Kevin White because we've seen Alshon do this with Martellus Bennett, with Matt Forte, who is uh, one of the best pass catching backs we've probably seen in recent history, and he also Brandon eats up Marshall. a lot of red zone. T- yeah, Brandon Marshall and and Forte was eating a lot, eating up a lot of red zone targets himself. So we've seen Alshon. Uh, perform amazingly with really good players around him. So I think a guy that's essentially a rookie, uh, I'm not too worried about. As far as Kevin White, I I just I can't pay a sixth, seventh round price for a guy that's essentially still a rookie. We just talked about with Treadwell how long it takes these receivers to adjust to the NFL game, and Kevin White's never played a snap in the NFL, so he's basically a red shirt this year. Um, so I, he's not a guy that I'm going to, to bank on breaking into that top 35, top 30 wide receiver, uh, in fantasy. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And you, you know, Kevin White, I mentioned earlier, uh, Brashid Perryman back on the field. Well, Kevin White missed all last season too. And I do think mm-hmm. there's a lot of upside there. I think if he was in this year's draft, he possibly would have been the number one wide receiver off the board in the actual NFL draft. But I just would like to see him, uh, you know, have some time on the field and uh, stay healthy and see how he goes there. But you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. If he didn't have the injury concerns, and I know we can put ifs and buts into a lot of things, but, uh, you know, you mentioned there, if he's on the field, I think he definitely is top five upside at the wide receiver position. He's somebody that I'm uh, a big fan of he's basically uncover- uncoverable uh, when you get him in, uh, even in double coverage so somebody uh, I think if he stays healthy can have a major impact this year and I'm targeting uh, in all, all my drafts if I can get him you know, in that early second round range I'll take him all day long uh, if you're looking as well at this team the running back situation is something that nobody's been overly uh, impressed by or confident in all off season. a lot of people very down on uh, Jeremy Langford but in the preseason he's, he's looked quite good in the spots that he's been in and again I'm going to kind of pull this into uh, everyone in general that's left in this team because you know we have Jay Cutler at the quarterback we kind of know what Jay Cutler is at this stage but if you're streaming quarterbacks he can give you that weekly upside and last year with Adam Gaze as the offensive coordinator he actually had quite a solid season when he was in there I thought he was uh, you know played a lot better than he has over the last couple of seasons and then Zach Miller's somebody who we've seen at the end of last season have a you know a progressive stretch where he was uh, very consistent again while on the field where Martellus Bennett missed a lot of time and now obviously he's with the Patriots so he gets a chance to be uh, the starting tight end for the team either the running backs Jay Cutler or uh, Zach Miller is there anyone there that you're targeting uh, and and drafts uh, upcoming just in the next couple of weeks yeah, just because of the price that you're getting on Langford and Zach Miller, I think they're they're really good targets. I mean, I don't think that 
Lankford's necessarily going to be a guy that just walks in and, and gets 320, 350 touches or, or something like that. But if if you're drafting like I'm drafting where you're really loading up on wide receivers and you can get a 220, 250 touch floor for a seventh, eighth round price, like I love drafting guys like that just because the investment is small. And if, if he does for some reason just end up in a complete timeshare, even losing his starting job, you didn't really invest anything in him. So he's going to be an easy guy to let go of. Uh, and then Zach Miller, he he was consistent in terms of fantasy. He did rely on a lot of splash plays, but I'm okay with that because you're getting him at the end of your draft, and in those spots, you're you're really targeting upside. And I think he does have that because, like we mentioned, Kevin White, we don't know what he's going to be. Uh, they lost a lot of their red zone targets, even if Alshon eats up 35% of their the red zone targets. Uh, they still have 65% to spread around, and Forte and Martellus Bennett are gone. So yeah. uh, he's a guy I'll take a chance on. I don't know if this defense this defense was uh, pretty mediocre last year, so I think they'll probably be throwing quite a bit still. And Jay Cutler, uh, his efficiency was up last year, but I think we could see it drop back down a little bit using <laughs> some of those weapons. Um, but, yeah, Zach Miller's a, a fine free guy for me. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan of him. I'm targeting him as my tight end, too, this year. Just because of how well he did last year when uh, when you know Bennett went down with, I, I think he was injured or he was just put on Rebs, IR I think. And, yeah. it, you know it was a interesting situation, but uh, I think he did really well last year. It's just the health thing. He's a career journeyman and stuff like that. And you also have Kevin White back, but also you lost Matt Forte. So, but going on to the last team, sort of the black sheep, I guess you could say, of the <laughs> NFC North, just because the other three are. Well, I mean, it's really the Vikings and the Packers, but I think the Bears are much improved this year. But going into the Lions a little bit, um, there's a, you know, there's just a lot of fluidity, especially in this run game. But what I actually want to ask you about is um, the guy that everybody year after year says he's going to do it this year. So like the Zach Ertz of the Lions in the same position, um, it, it's Eric Ebron. You know, we we saw he hurt his ankle slash Achilles earlier this preseason or during training camp. Everybody thought he was done for the season. It sounded that way. He isn't. He should be back for week one now. Um, and with Calvin Johnson gone, you know, Golden Tate now at the number one, or Marvin Jones is, I don't know who it actually is. But, um, you know, with Calvin Johnson gone, I, I think that's hard to replace, even if you, you get someone like Marvin Jones in there. So is this really the year – that we see Eric Ebron actually put up maybe a low-end tight end one season. Obviously, he was a 10th overall pick a few years ago, um, and we just haven't seen him put up the season we had hoped yet. So that's what I'm curious about. Is, is this the year for Eric Ebron? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of turning into a theme here that these young pass catchers just don't uh, don't produce early, and it's even it's even more so with tight ends than it is at the wide receiver Definitely. position. While wide receivers while wide receivers usually take half a season, uh, tight ends usually take two or three seasons. One thing that I have noticed about tight ends, if if they're gonna break out, they usually do it in their third year, and they've shown uh, at least a knack to be very efficient in the red zone. Uh, those kind of the the commonalities I've found among breakout tight ends. If if they don't do it by their third or fourth year, it's obviously never gonna happen. But I think Ebron is a guy that, although the opportunities have been pretty low, kind of like we talked about Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he has been very efficient near the goal line, and the Lions are going to need someone to fill that role because they obviously couldn't figure out where that was coming back, coming from in their backfield in the short yardage situations uh, without Calvin. 
they're really going to be looking for someone to convert those gold gold to go situations and i think ebron could be the guy uh, there's this weird misconception that marvin jones is this deep play threat but he's actually one of the more consistent red zone threats in the nfl i think that's probably goes all the way back to his four touchdown game against the jets a couple years ago yeah. so i think people probably have that image stuck in their head but he's a pretty efficient red zone target uh, on his own we know golden tate's going to be a guy that's going to catch the ball uh, behind the line of scrimmage or, or like within two yards of the line of scrimmage. So uh, if, if they're like at the 10, 15 yard line, I think Ebron's going to be the guy they're going to be looking to. So uh, I don't mind taking a shot at him just because uh, we mentioned it before. I'm not really trying to invest in, in that tight end position early, especially because uh, I think everyone is packed pretty close this year. Everyone's kind of catching up to Gronk. So if you can get Ebron in the double digit rounds, I think you're probably making a pretty good bet there. Yeah, I think he's somebody, and I agree 100%. I've made that point a lot of times in the podcast that, you know, tight ends take three or four years generally to, to start to get into their stride. But, you know, if you're looking at him and you're taking him and another guy, maybe in that the, the later rounds, and, you know, after a week or two, if you think it's not working, you can cut one of them and it's really not costing mm-hmm. you a huge price rather than taking a tight end in those, you know, first seven kind of rounds where you're gonna be afraid to cut them all season long so uh, it's an, an interesting team because i think you mentioned golden tate getting a lot of passes within the line of scrimmage and matthew stafford you know he's always had that calvin johnson weapon where he can just chuck the ball up even in triple coverage and calvin will come down with it but i think you know there's a lot of talk this year obviously a theoretic uh you know he i think he was the se- had the second most receptions last year in the mm-hmm. league behind um I think he was actually was tied, tied with Woodhead, maybe. Uh, but very Behind good. Woodhead, just a couple, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so you're looking at him getting a lot of balls out of the backfield, and then uh, Mir Abdullah, who they took last year in the draft and uh, kind of disappointed last season. And there's a lot of buzz this uh, offseason again around Zach Center. We'll see how... It's a, it's a real mismatch there in the, the backfield to see how it all shakes out. Have you uh, a feel of how it's actually going to... Who would you be targeting there? It's really one where I'm just kind of staying away from at the moment. Maybe take Theoretic and leave the rest to go. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at just because we don't really know what is going to happen with, with Abdullah and, and Zinner. I think uh, that the touchdowns are really going to be spread thin there. So I think their upside is going to be capped, at least with Theoretic, especially if you're in a PPR league. You know that you can get that somewhat safe floor. Again, I talked about drafting wide receivers early. If you can get Theo in the eighth, ninth round, he's going to be a fine flex play, uh, bye week fill-in if you run into injuries. If he's giving you uh, six, seven targets a game, that's pretty hard to find, and uh, he just gives you that nice little PPR floor. Yeah, and we didn't mention Anquan Bolden, but at this stage of his career, other than being a possession receiver, I can't see him having much upside in fantasy football. Would you agree there? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's really gonna dip into anyone's numbers. Maybe, maybe he steals a couple targets from Riddick just because those are he's gonna be playing the slot and getting those short targets. Uh, but I think everything we've kind of expected all offseason before the Bolden signing should probably hold pretty true, uh, even with him on the team. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's just these, you know, somebody with a name that some people might be asking mm-hmm. about, so I thought I'd throw it in there at the end. Uh, your your new site's coming uh, out soon, you know, your roster coach. Uh, you mentioned earlier a few times mm-hmm. about DFS, uh, Daily Fantasy Sports. It's not something at this side of the Atlantic that's growing yet, but anyone that is involved in the fantasy football community knows exactly what it is. But with uh, roster coach, um, what all have you uh, in the pipeline with that coming into the, the start of the season? 
Yeah, Roster Coach is a uh, video-based educational DFS site. So we're basically going to anything that that you are trying to figure out how to research for DFS. We're going to be taking you through our weekly process. So the idea is you can you can look over my shoulder pretty much while I'm doing my weekly research from how I manage my bankroll to how I select my games to exactly what I'm researching when I build my lineups. Uh, it's one thing to sit there and, and write about it and let you read what I'm doing, but to actually show you, I think, is a really uh, exciting way to to bring people uh dfs education and then when once we're in the season same concept just how i'm going through my week-to-week process what i'm reviewing uh and i think people are going to be really excited about getting content in this new way yeah and of course dfs over the last two seasons has really uh, it has exploded you know it's a you know three or four years ago i'm pretty sure uh, it wasn't a thing that anyone was doing. This really just uh, become so so big over. Particularly last season, the growth was uh, phenomenal. You can follow the the roster coach page on Twitter. It's at roster coach. And of course, I mentioned at the start of the show, TJ's on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You can find all the great work uh, there that he's doing for four for four among all the other sites. Uh, as always, I'm on Twitter. It's at Overtime Ireland. Doug's on Twitter with uh, all he mentioned at the start. The kind of 400 websites he's writing for is at Dmore NFL. And uh, over the last uh, week, we've given two tickets to the college football game that's coming up here in Dublin so uh, I've sent those out and just at this moment in time I can't remember who the winner was so uh, it's on the Twitter (laughs) feed and uh, I'm actually at this present moment in time giving away another OTI t-shirt so get on Twitter give that a retweet and you have the opportunity to win that as well so plenty of competitions heading into this season uh, which should be a fun season and make sure you're following guys like Doug and guys like TJ to make it all the more fun because following guys like them uh, will help you win your fantasy championship and of course that's what we're all here to talk about so guys uh, anything else that we need to plug or do before we wrap up or do you think we've it all covered in uh, today's show i mean unless we're looking for some more injury news from doug i think we got it doug, can you confirm <laughs> can you confirm doug in fact that you are not a doctor uh i'm still checking on that uh, uh <laughs> I- I thought you might have completed your degree uh, just in, the, in that there's short 45-minute space, but obviously not. But uh, be sure to come uh, back. Yeah, no, I, I went to Trump University, and look what that happened. <laughs> yeah, you bought one over the over the internet. But come back next week. Uh, we'll have another show. We'll be starting to get into more talk about, obviously, uh, drafting, getting your drafts. I know there's people drafting this week, but they'll really start to ramp up next week as people get closer to that NFL week one. So we'll be starting to do maybe some more mock draft talk and stuff like that. So come back next week uh, for that and to see if Doug has, uh, in fact, come become a doctor in the next week but until next time of course have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland check out overtimeireland.com and continue to spread the word this has been an overtime ireland production